0: Roman, I got you something at at uh, Rose City. First of all, I think it's worth talking about Archie Comics for a second. Yeah, what do you know about Archie?
1: Do, um, like, do we know about any of the artists, the original artists? I watched like a 30-minute oh. video yesterday of Jaime Hernandez talking about why the Archie artist was better than the Betty and Veronica artist who was better than the Jughead artist. Wow. Which is, you know, better than Dan DiCarlo. Dan Carlo was the Betty and Veronica artist. Oh, okay. That's why I was thinking um,
2: Dan DiCarlo. Yeah, he
1: was Betty and Veronica. Uh, and and now, who does the Archie covers? And I'm wondering how long they've been doing it.
0: It's uh, Dan Parent, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been on my radar at least since I started working at the shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, For I'm just thinking like years. 20
2: years, 30 years. I have no idea. Yeah. I would guess, I would guess at least 30, maybe yeah. more.
0: Well, he drew you a picture <laughs> of the creeper. Wow! <laughs> it looks kind of like you, Roman.
2: It looks kind of like Archie too.
0: It's uh-huh. the Archie, Archie guy. guy. Yeah, that's <laughs> God. That's awesome. Looks like Archie. Looks like the creeper. <laughs> looks like so Roman. Good. Roman the creeper. That's so cool. And I told him when I picked it up, I was like, "So." I wish I had hair like that. Look how thick it is.
2: Yeah. Wow! I've never seen Dan Parent do anything other than Archie characters. That's really yeah, cool. it? that's that's why
0: I wanted him to do the creeper for you because he's uh, yeah. Because he's so smooth and the Creeper is so not. <laughs> um,
2: God, his eyes are great. Look at that evil look.
0: Yeah, like we said. Looks like our guy it's Roman. Looks like, like Roman Archie. <laughs> Aw, thanks. <laughs> this, is, this is beautiful.
1: to a perfectly acceptable podcast we call this one half mass everybody episode 148
0: <laughs> half mass podcast
1: yeah God,
0: we got to rename this thing
1: yeah not not that it's no one's no one's passed on there's no giant national problems right now, aside from the entire state of the nation.
0: <laughs> I just have all of the blood I'm supposed to have in my head brain.
1: Oh, that's better than all of it in your love rod, like Roman over here looking positively engorged.
0: Yep, Roman yep, yep. is... I've gotten used to it.
1: <laughs> we all have too, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's uh, full mast. Well, you know. where every week we get a whole bunch
1: of comic books, because we're a bunch of buddies who uh, own and work at a comic shop. We grab a bunch of comic books. We count them, sort them, file them away. Dry the back of
0: our knees off with them.
1: Yeah, even if, yeah, this Tuesday the entire computer system went down. Usually takes us about four hours to do a Tuesday. It took us about nine hours this week. But it could have been worse. It could have been anything but comics. And then we gather back here on a Wednesday to uh, engage in a sort of a, a commerce-filled love festival with all of you folks, the listeners, the the customers, the patrons, the friends, the families of the store. Um, and then we come up here to the Pap Cave, <clears throat> uh, the Papatorium. The, the Pap
0: Cave in the Sky. The
1: Pap Cave in the Sky. And we uh, record a podcast. Are we
0: voting on those terms? Um, Are, no, because we're, were you would we have we been do thumbs that? down
1: on all of them for like <laughs> over two full ye- Oh my God. It's almost three years. It's dude.
0: almost three years. Yeah, episode 150 is going to put us a month away from three years of podcasts. Oh my wow. God. Oh, six weeks.
1: That is insane. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, the comic right. shop, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff, and spoilers, I'm really into not liking this new design for a carnage and absolute carnage
0: no. I'm Django and uh I if you're talking about the spine thing and yeah. no stomach yeah I'm with you there I like all the red a lot
1: well he's always been red Django not red
0: like this <laughs> the colorist is is reddening him up yeah he's, like it's more blood red for sure yeah darker darker maroon red.
2: I'm Roman. I'm trying to find what this new Carnage looks like. I haven't been reading this book. I'm, I'm very curious. Well, how, how has Cletus
0: evolved? Well, Cletus has not.
1: I think we just changed the rotations <clears throat> of the book conversations oh, sorry, to make right. Absolute Carnage first, because at the end of this book, Roman, spoilers, the Hulk becomes Carnage.
0: Ooh, Hulk-age. This week, we're going to talk about uh, a handful of books. They're going to mm-hmm. include Absolute Carnage, number three. Spoilers. The, like, very on the nosely named spider-man number one superman number 15 steeple number one house of x number five inferior five number one flash forward number one and batman number 79 you know Seventy nine is a seven and sleeves. <laughs> that was good,
1: bud. That was out of nowhere. I like that. Is it warm in here? It's is it a
0: fucking hot in this room? It is. Listen, listen, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, gross. I'm a lot less hot now because I just now I have to sit shit.
1: across the table and not look at that taco meat for the rest of the night. Which uh, is very good. We're
0: gonna spoil some comics. We're gonna spoil the piss tonight. out of them. Um,
1: Do you guys remember years ago when we used to yell about kids spoiling up in a room or something when we talked about this?
0: That loops through my head in uh, like in fever dreams every time I'm <laughs> you sick.
1: Spoiling up there? <laughs> You're not spoiling in there, are you? Um, What's crazy about that
0: is that our, oh, I know what you're going to say. I don't
1: remember what I was going to say. You were
0: going to say that our spoilers are sponsored by Spoiled Kids Incorporated. Exactly. Spoiledkids.net. Quit giving
1: those kids your clicks. (laughs) okay, yeah that was very good that was good Uh, very meta jokes everybody let's get into Absolute Carnage number 3 by Donny Cates Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer and Frank Martin Frank Martin is doing the colors and I agree I think that there is some really nice reds and tones going on in this book my big problem like I said is that they have changed the Carnage design to make him look much more like Venom now
0: oh I guess yeah, I guess so. That that Which wasn't makes my sense problem.
1: why you like it so much, because you are our venom guy.
2: Oh, is that why? <laughs> see, I, see, I don't like it. He looks like a broken action figure. Yeah,
1: yeah, his his stomach doesn't exist and he's just a spine.
0: And yeah, and is Cletus in there? He is, right? Well, or is Cletus, is Cletus gone? He's
1: dead and they like resurrected him for, like a cult resurrected him from his dead body. So I don't know that he has like a physical body body okay. I think that like the so bones he's... and the symbiote are meshed
0: okay cool well and then then that's okay because I didn't really realize that part this is the, okay this book is like just a an action movie to me it goes in one eye and out the other and I enjoy I enjoy the experience of of it having gone through me <laughs> uh, but I don't really retain much of it
1: yeah. I get that. It isn't super highbrow. It is definitively Donnie Cates. But this whole Venom book has a really weird tone. I guess I kind of lump this in with his Venom run. <clears throat> but it's it's not typical Venom. It's like a weirdly abusive relationship, you yep. know, parallel. It's Eddie Brock with his kid it's not Venom being the lethal protector good guy but it's also not him being a bad guy it's been like 15 issues in an event and I still don't really know what it's about yeah and that's all fine I mean because it's ultimately (coughs) it's Venom so he looks cool and he does cool stuff and that's pretty good (laughs) like that's that's all you really need out of a Venom book, and if it was trying to do much more than this, I might not dig it.
0: Why does the Venom symbiote need a person? Because if Carnage is just like the thought patterns of Cletus inside of the Carnage symbiote, why does the Venom symbiote always seem to want to be with Eddie?
1: Well, it doesn't always want to be with Eddie, in fact, In one of the recent Venom issues, like, I forget exactly what it was, but, like, it may have been that, like, Flash Thompson died and Eddie actually learns that the symbiote would rather be with Flash Thompson. Mm -hmm. And there's some weird, like, manipulation going on because Eddie learned that he was actually, like, a second or third choice for this symbiote at this point based on who he's been with in the past.
0: I guess it's just, like, why does it need a body to be on at all? Because we've kind of established that... There's a whole fucking planet of symbiotes, and I guarantee that each of those symbiotes doesn't have a Brock buddy.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I do think, so like symbiote, so it is benefiting in some way from a physical body, and it might be right. that it gives it more agency or might more power. It might actually be feeding off of a life force or something. Sure. I, I bet that a venom expert, I would actually, I would ask you. You know about that sort of stuff. Well, I was asking either, you as a test, and, and uh, you've obviously and? failed,
0: and don't deserve the answer. Okay, I, I agree. <laughs> I that, that, I thought of it because of this awesome shot where Eddie is running away from yeah. the symbiote, and the symbiote's still standing there, totally normal. Yeah, um, it does
1: lose its volume when it's not connected to a body, I think, you know, seconds after, that's almost like Looney Tunes-esque, like somebody ran and the smoke yeah. is still there, which, yeah. which I do like. And in that sequence, Norman Osborn <clears throat> thinks that he's Carnage, and he's been around in this issue, mm-hmm. and Norman Osborn with the symbiote actually looks like Carnage, like the, right. sy- like the red and black symbiotes all over him. And uh, I, th- I think it's really interesting that they have chosen to make him look like the classic Carnage. The other thing I'm not a huge fan of is that all of them have this like spiral, and that's been present since the beginning of this Venom run. Is these yeah. symbiotes have this big spiral on their head, and I just don't particularly care for that. I'm a '90s kid. Give me Venom and Carnage looking the way that they look. You don't need to have a whole bunch of like weird faceless <clears throat> things with spiral faces. Like they, it, it causes to me. For it to lose agent, like them to lose agency and lose uh, how intimidating they are. That all—I mean—that sounds negative. But I'm, I'm enjoying this. Oh yeah. But as I'm enjoying it, I'm just pretty happily understanding, like, oh, I wish that's this were done different. Give and,
0: me my nine-year-old back. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I really like the. In the end, spoilers. The Venom symbiote covers uh, Hulk. Bruce. Banner. Bruce. And then Bruce turns into Hulk. And Jeff, I don't know if you noticed this. I remember when I was talking about uh, the the symbiote on Galactus? Yeah, I can't it quite cover the whole not body. Not be able to cover. it. I don't know if this is just it covering the Hulk in process or not, but it looks like they might have the Hulk be too big for him to cover completely. I yeah, really yeah. like Donnie Cates. I really like the art in this and I really like the colors in this.
1: So that seems like a real pretty successful run of things for you. I'm
0: going to give that an 8. So So if one is Electro and I give it an 8,
1: I would give it a seven point five. Nice. Yeah, nice, it is bro. exactly that. It's a nice comic. It is never a bummer to read, but it's not the first thing that I read.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah,
1: and it's never disappointing.
0: Yeah, I always, I always enjoy it. I always resist it because you know, despite the cartoon character you've made of me, um, <clears throat> it's not necessarily my favorite character or favorite world. Yeah. Uh, I can get into a little bit of Venom action, especially with all the teeth.
1: He loves teeth. Roman, he loves a tooth. A tooth. A tooth? A tooth. A tooth.
0: Speaking of Spider-Man, oh. do we need to go find your phone?
1: No. J.J. Abrams, his son Henry Abrams, and Sarah Pacelli put out a book from Marvel today with colors by Dave Stewart called Spider-Man. And on the cover, it's either a die-cut eye or Spider-Man and Mary Jane jumping around.
0: Either way, Spider-Man's on both covers. That's true. Um, And this is the book that got announced as being from J.J. Abrams and then announced as J.J. Abrams and his son. Mm -hmm. And people lost their minds. And they're like, he's just using his dad to get a writing career in Marvel. They talked all kinds of shit on it before it came out. And then... It came out, and it's really fucking good.
1: I also thought it was pretty good. Roman, as my Spider-Man expert, did you think it was good? Can
0: can we just call him the Spider-Man man? Man?
1: Can we just call him the Spider-Man?
0: But he hates spiders, so the no-spider Spider-Man man.
1: The the, the the, the real Spider-Man? The anti-Spider-Man. Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man. I hate spiders, yeah, but... but... The anti-Spider-Man.
2: Killer. Radio. (laughs) What did you think? (laughs) I, I I mostly liked it. Uh, I was I I'm very curious. The thing I didn't like was like God, Aunt May is still alive. Yeah, like I she mean, must be anyone, 120 by now in
1: the storyline.
2: 12 year jump in this book.
1: Yeah, and yeah. she is still a human being in this
0: book. Yeah, she should be dust. Maybe she got some uh, super soldier serum. Oh. She's pretty old in this. Like I would say, she's probably 80.
2: Well, yeah, but in she was, like, forward? 80 in
0: 1963. I
2: mean, yeah, she
1: used to look yeah. older than this. Yeah. I would oh, also I say that Spider-Man's still around too. her character design is pretty weird looking. Like, it is, it is. very off-model from any other models we've seen. Yeah, it's seen. like, wow, yeah. when did Aunt
2: May, like, turn into her Mary Jane Watson's mother?
0: Maybe in the last 12 years, <laughs> in yeah. between the page where Spider-Man gets super fucked up and we flash forward to his kid.
1: Yeah, so what happens in this is Spider-Man is fighting on a bridge and there's a lot of destruction and Mary Jane comes to find him and it looks like his arm is just totally fucked up, like limp and dead and she's like, you all right?" And then she gets stabbed through the chest and dies and then we jump 12 years into the future and we're hanging out with Ben Spider-Man's son and he's being raised by Aunt May and when we encounter Peter, who's kind of an absent father, he's got only one arm and then at the end, young Ben Parker is looking around in the attic at Aunt May's behest, and finds his father's old costume and a bunch of letters between he and his mother.
2: Yeah, and and the, I like that reveal that Aunt May knew he was Spider Man at some point. And... Yeah, it, what was surprising to me, Rom is that they
1: this book is essentially an Elseworlds story. Yeah, it's an event happen out of continuity, and then we do a time jump into the future. So, I would say we didn't need another Spider Man book in continuity and I'm glad that this one is not that because then we would have had like five ongoing Spider-Man <laughs> books and I'm glad yeah. that this is a different time with a real different take on these characters and the circumstances of events
0: this felt like um, Spider-Man life story to me in just in that in the beginning Pete is totally fucked up and then he, he actually can't save Mary Jane and then he has to live with his failures. And it just felt like this is this is another instance of Peter Parker's luck being shitty and not being written by Marvel in the 1960s.
1: I am more interested in what the overall conceit of Spider-Man life story was, but I think this was executed much better from a writing standpoint yeah. and an art standpoint. Yeah. What do you think about those the comparing the two stories, Roman? Because a lot of people are asking about this, like, is it good? And there's, there's a lot of uh, inherent cynicism with it because J.J. Abrams is coming from movies and his son is associated with it so is it just him trying to get his son some work
0: and, and because like 10 chuds on the internet made it a big deal
1: right but we've had a lot of customers be like is it any good is it worth getting Yeah, and a lot of people were skeptical about that and I was also skeptical about it for whatever reason um, I don't think I I know anyone that I consider more of a Spider-Man man or an anti-Spider-Man spider-fan man spider-man fan man so are you happy this is coming out is this something that you is welcome in your stable of spiders man um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry um. whoever buys that comic i just spit on
2: <laughs> i'd forgotten all the hype about this book mm-hmm. so when it came out this week i didn't know what it was i didn't know it wasn't canon um <clears throat> you know the problem i had i, I enjoyed life story Right up until <clears throat> the very end, because then it became—I mean, it was still a good story, but it became too much of a kind of typical Marvel story. I wanted to go all the way and be have a horrible ending, like tragic, oh. and and just be devastating, and it wasn't. <laughs> um. So so far, I like this better because uh-huh. <clears throat> it's doing stuff I didn't expect, and yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I was very surprised with all this. I'm curious about. This world of this Spider Man, Peter Parker, because like I'm, I was thinking, where's his buddy's Iron Man and stuff? Because like his prosthetic is very basic and non techy, but you would expect Peter Parker or Spider Man to have like some awesome looking, like looks like a real hand. Mm -hmm. Has he given up? Or he just wanted to. Yeah, and he's, he's given up. And he d- maybe Something he doesn't like.
1: want to be associated with Tony Stark at all, or with his past life of Spider-Man. Yeah. he doesn't even want it. And I'm really curious to ex- to explore
2: <clears throat> some of those things. Which yeah, I hope it does.
1: This is not at all like Old Man Logan, but at the same no. time, there is some amount of that in it. Like, here is, I'm really excited to explore this world. Like, I was, I didn't even realize, but as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh yeah. What is this Peter's relationship with other heroes? Oh, what are yeah. other heroes' relationship with this world?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah we, it seems like there's a, a lot of emotional depth to explore in this one.
1: And we also haven't talked at all about the dude that cut his arm off or killed his arm and killed Mary Jane. Oh yeah,
0: this new villain. Dude, the the uh, which is a, yeah. Sorry, picture of his arm hanging ragged there. That it's, looks like it hurts a lot.
2: Yeah, they did. Like his
0: arm got skinned and then compound fractured and then Your bones are fucked out. off.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and the the deaths. Mary Jane's death, I mean just the look on Spider-Man's face, the tear his tear and so powerful and then her you can see the tear on her, that was very well done.
1: Yeah, it really was the first 8 pages of this were very brutal and they made it really brutal without a lot of space to make you connected. Like they they relied on what you already knew and felt, but uh, it was well written enough that it it brought you with it right along and I I think JJ Abrams is I don't have any problem with him at all. I yeah. I don't love any of his stuff, but I like I think all of it.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's done something that I didn't like even just as a producer. I don't think he's done something that I didn't think. That was that was a good ride. Right. It's like a like a carnival ride every time I watch one of his movies. Like, yeah, fuck yeah. All right. Do I want to get back in line? I don't know. Let's see what else is out there. Yeah. Hey, Roman did you read the back matter?
2: I skimmed it. Cadaverous, that's the new villain.
0: Okay. First appearance. Yeah. Yeah, it's a right big here. deal. Yeah, yeah. Really big deal. We have him.
1: Come and get him. Yeah. Um, the the write up was really interesting to me because basically the Spider Man editor had reached out to J.J. Abrams in like 2004 to do this and that was before he was doing Lost or anything, and he was like, well, I'm working on some TVs and movies stuff, but I'm interested in it. Let me get back to you when I have something. Seven years went by, and then he reached out. He's like, hey, I think I've got a story. And then, you know, another seven years went by or something, and he wrote the thing with his son. So it's not a flash in the pan or a vanity project. It's a thing he was approached about a long time ago, and he allowed to gestate, and I didn't know Mm -hmm. that either, and I think knowing that helped.
0: Yeah, I... I just thought it was a good comic.
1: Yeah, the context around it was better than I was worried about. It was executed better than I was worried about.
0: Did you guys uh, notice that Chip Kidd did one of these covers? The Chip Kidd cover is awesome. Yeah. It is awesome. I, I really like it. I like almost everything that guy's done.
1: I give it an 8.5.
0: Just a really
1: great comic. I'm excited to read the rest of it. I hope I hope that it's 10 or 12 issues.
0: Remember
2: what's falling out of you? I'll give it a 7.5.
1: Okay. Mm.
2: Yeah. I'm not as huge a Sarah
0: Procelli fan, but no. Yeah.
1: Piggybacking off of that weird part about that conversation about J.J. Abrams and emails.
0: Oh, uh, I was talking about butter. I don't even know what that's a reference to. Butter emails.
1: I still don't know what that means, man, but you just looked, and I know that you don't smoke weed, but those are the most stoned eyes <laughs> but, you've ever looked at me with. Yeah, but butter,
0: butter emails.
1: emails. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Okay. No, in all seriousness, we um, <laughs> we want to talk about Flash Forward from the pages of Heroes in Crisis. This is written by Scott Lobdell and art by Brett Booth. And w- before we talk about this, we talked about it before recording the podcast. Do we want to talk about this book? Did we even want to order this book for the store? So this is, for everyone listening, this is just sort of like behind the scenes of comic book retail. And, oh, meta, meta. And, a little meta-meta. A little meta-meta, but... Um, at some point in the past, Scott Lobdell was accused of being, and I don't remember the exact details of it, so we're not going to go into that. Also, this is clearly a fucking family show.
0: Also, you got Google. <laughs> yeah, you
1: got Google. But uh, Scott Lobdell was apparently <laughs> accused of being uh, a bit of a creep a number of years ago, and then that was kind of dropped and not talked about. And then this, and and that's enough of a red flag that I would really respect a lot of people for just saying. Um, if, if that has been accused of once, I don't want to mess with his work. Fuck that guy. I support that very much. Then this book was announced, and I don't remember if it was the same person or a different person brought to light some other really unsavory interactions that they had with Scott Lubdell. And it sounds like at different points in his career, he may have lobbied his position of power uh, in DC, as somebody that was respected by editors, um, he may have you know told people that he could possibly get them a job or something for a date. That's a really simplified version of it. I don't know exactly what happened. We have at least one account of somebody saying that happens, and, and that sucks. And we agree that sucks. And I wanted to maybe just boycott this comic entirely at the store, and DC said, hey, if you order this amount, we'll just you can you can make it returnable, and you can send it all back to us when it's done.
0: And we talked about it. We did. And I wasn't aware of any of the Scott Lobdell shit. And I was like, well, yeah, if you want to, if you don't want to get it just because he's like kind of a mediocre writer and he's kind of stepping on Tom King's storyline here, fuck you. Let's just order up till we can return them. And it wasn't until we got him in this week that I found out the rest of the story. And now I feel like a dipshit for just being totally disconnected from the gossip columns, the the uh, Mr. Sinister News of well, DC Comics.
1: I also think it's important to me on a personal level to be able to talk about art objectively and mm-hmm. remove it from uh, what's going on with the creator. I think it's important with what we do here, I like to be able to objectively talk about a piece of art. That being said, um, times are, are changing, and I I, I support... Not wanting to support an artist if they're a pe- if they if it, they've been proven to be a piece of shit. I, I I support saying you know what never mind no matter how good their art is they're a, a, a dickhead and I don't want to support them.
0: So we're in a we're in a sticky spot here because I think it's an okay comic, and I don't I don't want to advocate that people just go out and buy it without having this kind of this this amount of knowledge about who they're tacitly or or explicitly supporting with. They're $4. I
1: hadn't read this on Wednesday morning. And Django came in. He's like, I don't know, man. I kind of liked it. I don't <laughs> know that it's cool to not like it. And, and and he had thought that I wasn't supportive of it because it was coming out of Heroes in Crisis. And and I don't. On record, I've always thought Scott Lobdell is kind of a shitty writer. He's, oh, yeah. He's an yeah. old writer. And he's a guy that Marvel and DC hired to do jobs, basically. He's a jobber.
0: I haven't liked his stuff since the, like, 20 issues into the Batman Superman he did 20 years ago.
1: Yeah. Um, and then it became apparent. I was like, "Oh no, he's he's a he's a bad guy." Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know the full details on that. It hasn't been totally confirmed. But a good quote that I don't think is worth uh, throwing away is that uh, if it smells like garbage, <clears throat> throw it out. I, I, I don't think that that's a terrible way to live your life. So, um, but then based on what Django said, I did also read it. And Django, I don't. I guess I don't need to spend a ton of time on this book, but I think you put it really well. I don't think this is a bad book. I don't. I wouldn't want to spend my money supporting this guy.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of that's kind of uh, I think how we react in general in the store to those kinds of those kinds of situations. We're like, I don't want to censor a book, but I will not promote somebody who I think is a turd.
1: And I think that if we had been on the exact same page about why Braden and I were skeptical, skeptical about this guy when the orders were placed, <laughs> yeah,
0: we, would we probably wouldn't
1: have ordered it at all. But there was a miscommunication between Jango <laughs> and I. He didn't know that part. And he was like, yeah, just order the amount that allows us to send it all back when it's
0: done. Well, we can have as many as people want to buy. Exactly. might be good. Exactly. So, anyway, after beating that to death, yeah. um, I think it's a pretty good book. I think it's a pretty good like, book, too. I don't think it's
1: great. I think there are are moments of good art, Mm -hmm. and I think that it is the best thing that I've ever read from Scott Lobdell, which is, for Jeff, a very low bar. Roman, you read this, right? I didn't read it. Okay, actually, sorry, I walked in on you reading Lex Luthor, which had some really similar images. Yeah. And I don't think it's super cool to hate on people without having a lot of information about it, but I also have been through circumstances in my life where it's been important for me to understand if a shady person is on a shady thing. That's my personal journey, yeah. and I really support other people not doing that same thing.
0: Yeah, so we got some great Mobius... Ch- I love Mobius Chair stuff. I
1: love Mobius Chair stuff.
0: I really like superheroes and supervillains when they've been uh, depowered, which is what's happening in the prison while he's in. Mm-hmm. As much as I like the Dark Multiverse stuff, this felt like somebody... This felt like a cover band messing with the Dark Multiverse. Yeah, yeah, I don't well, I, that, welcome to Scott Lobdell. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think he had a really good grasp on exactly what was going on. Um, I did like the art a whole lot. At, at, at times. For parts of it. Some of it looked like kind of the the badder parts yeah. of uh, uh, New Liefeld.
1: Yeah. The, we had the conversation before recording this. Hey, oh, is it bad to talk about this and shine a light on this guy's work at all? Um, or are we, by talking about it, perpetuating the problem? And ultimately, we didn't have a right answer for that. So we wanted to give you guys the information that we have, say that it's in a gray zone, and and then talk about the work and try to just talk about the work itself. And the work itself, to me, um, is a, a 6.5 to a 7.
0: Oh, you son of a bitch. You stole those words out of my mouth.
1: I feel like you probably would have actually chosen a number.
0: I would have said a six and a half or a seven just to troll you incalculable oh. <laughs> sons of bitches. Well, your
1: score is incalculable <laughs> because I can't re- report it anymore. No, it's a range. Oh, okay. Hey, <laughs> Roman, can you tell me about a calculable idea, a calculable phenomenon, in Superman, and let me calculate the number 15. I see that we all are holding the Adam Hughes cover, which oh, is pretty so nice. Oh
2: good. Yeah, this cover's awesome. Guys, you cover both of the month. All this, talk this makes book. You want to see. What happened to the calculator? A DC villain
1: it was all like calculator brah <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about Superman 11 Brayden's been
0: 15. working on his remote his remote speaking hasn't <laughs> don't he
2: don't you pretend that I'm a voice box for that genius <laughs> I wish this cover that had the Atomies had it cover had a like after because this is an homage to one of the old Superman covers I'm pretty sure but I don't know you guys talk about what you liked in this book
1: and I will research it
2: okay the art is awesome um, still
1: the same artist from the first issue,
2: oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh, because it's monthly. Yeah, but I always forget his Ivan name. Ivan Rice. Ivan Rice. Yeah, um, and this was then. You guys always say I hate Bendis, but I really liked his writing in this. Well,
0: it's because yeah. his writing is awesome. You're gonna give it a three for a Some, change?
2: Sometimes, no.
0: I might. I'll, I'll give it above a five even. I, <laughs> I really like this issue. This this kind of gave us. Uh, Bendis is doing a weird thing with this series where he gives us a setup and then it flashes back and then it flashes back. Like He's he's not telling these issues in a super linear way lately. And I... Super. And not in a super, (laughs) thanks Roman, linear way. Um, This is basically the formation of the Legion of Superheroes, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, basically, yeah, they've come back into their past to this very important day. Well, the formation of the United Planets. Right. Which it turns out was Superboy's the currents
0: are, geez,
2: <clears throat> how many Superboys are there now? Uh, uh, Jonathan Kent, Superman's son, was his idea.
0: And it's, uh, and, and the Legion shows up a little bit too early to witness this <laughs> amazing moment where John decides that uh, everybody should kind of create the the union. And it, there's, there's a lot of funny back and forth in there. I think the, so I think that is a big part of what, Legion heads. Is that what you guys are called? <laughs> I've never heard that, but sure. Legionards? <laughs> uh, I think that's what the Legionards are really excited about, is, is I'm, seeing I'm happy,
2: that. I'm proud to be a Legionard.
0: <laughs> the thing that I really got off on was, A, Clark's dad being sentenced to death by sending him back to the time that the anomaly pulled him off of Krypton right before it exploded.
1: I actually thought that that was a really... Elegant solution yeah, Yeah. I thought that was a really I think that this book Superman Has in a lot of ways been Bendis trying to say okay Well if I'm gonna write Mm -hmm. Superman I've got to change some of the things that you fucking guys have done in the last 10 years I got to clean up
0: a lot of garbage and
1: I think that all like the Oz effect and and Jor-El showing back up is Mm -hmm. a is a thing that Bendis was like I want to get rid of that and I think that even John existing at all Bendis was like, okay, Tomasi, I like you, I respect you, and we did Rebirth, and that's cool, and he exists, but I don't think that the Superman story I want to tell has this character in it, so I need to find another place for him to be so that I can tell my story. And And props to him, it's him
0: it's, it's taken him 36 issues to get to a point where right now it feels like he's cleaned the slate so that he can... Do what he wants to do,
1: and I w- I wouldn't even kind of consider them thirty six issues. To me, this is an entirely different series than Action Comics. Uh,
0: yeah, I guess so, I guess so. But he inherited all this stuff. Right. right. Six issues before act before he jumped onto Action and right. Superman, and so he's, I mean, there's there's been, yeah, maybe Action doesn't count at all, but Rogelzar, who is his character, right. looks like he might be in stasis now. I really like the resolution with Zod. Yeah, where like maybe Zod's not going to be a default bad guy, right? How now. do you
1: feel about that, Roman? You're the classic. I, I really character. liked.
2: I really liked it too because it was just a very mature on both Superman and Zod's parts. Their, their conversation at the end and agreeing to kind of try and get along somewhat. Zod's going to start this new Kryptonian colony. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, wow, that's so mature of them. It's so so much. It's refreshing. Rather and than it, seeing Zod always be like, I'm going to kill you, Superman.
0: And the conversation they have where Superman's like, don't abuse it. And Zod mm-hmm. says, your trust. And he's like, no, the name of Krypton. Yeah. that's That says a lot about both characters in Three Word Balloons.
2: Yeah, yeah. It takes all the ego out of both of them.
1: Yeah. And this, the full page shot of him being <laughs> returned to Krypton and the Krypton blowing up and the singular orange light of uh, Superman's yeah. ship taking off yeah. adds this really full circle effect to it.
0: That right back to John Byrne, baby. So hmm. can you guys
1: sell me on this League of Worlds idea because while I think that in many ways it's a good idea, it just seems very ham-fisted to me.
2: Well, it's kind no, of... No, I can't.
1: Okay. I mean, like, I I just, I'm, I'm surprised, no judgment, but I'm surprised that that's a thing that you guys were both on because to me I was like, that seems pretty cheesy. That seems like, hey, let's all sit down and have a glass of champagne now.
2: It's... I thought it was cheesy how it's so easily accepted, especially by guys like the Kundians that are always, you know, just barbaric warlords. Um, What? (laughs) Kundian? Kundian? I don't know. We we don't know how to (laughs) say it, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but I like the fact that Bendis is retroactively – trying to give an explanation for um, the United Planets, which is an established thing in Legion oh, Superheroes Oh, it is comics. an established thing. Yeah, from Legion of okay. Superheroes.
1: Perfect. That That is all totally fine. I thought this was a thing that Bendis made up. And right before the page where he says, like, what do you call it? And it's like, Unity, Unity Day. Day. I was like, the page before it, I was like, it's fucking Unity Day. And I turned the page, I was like, it's fucking Unity Day. Yeah,
2: and even that name may be something from the old Legion of Superheroes okay. comic. Sure but I like is. the fact... If,
1: if that's the case, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. You totally sold me on it. Yeah. I thought that this was a new idea of Bendis of, like, kind of responding mm. to his worldview of, like, we need to unify. We have the United Nations. I came up with this new idea of how our world works. Let's make it work in space. What I thought
2: was really... New and exciting about it, and clever about it is Ben is coming up with um, one of the the Superman family, one of the House of L, the youngest one, coming up with the idea for it, the you know United, or the United Nations in, in space, basically. Right. It's like because wow, that's really cool. He lived on Earth along Yeah, because the Legion of Superheroes was, was some, in old continuity was inspired by Superboy and later Superman. So I thought it was cool.
0: Yeah, I I would have had a really hard time with the idea of all of this falling together so quickly. I mean, it it was, what, three comics? Right. And two of them had four pages that overlapped. Right. Um, Having that small amount of work done to create this giant kind of treaty between all the planets seemed a little bit weird, but the way that he drop the Legion of Superheroes in from the far future to witness this historic moment and just kind of push everything along, I thought, like, that's fucking cool because I don't want politics for six issues, which is what it would probably take to have that actually make sense. No, and and That's just going to turn into a Star Wars prequel.
1: No, both of you are 100% right. I, I didn't realize that, and that redefines the entire thing to me. The other thing that red flagged with me is that I had a really hard time with this art following the Legion of Superhero characters. And I know there's a lot of them. And I know that Bendis is learning those characters and excited to share them with us. And I feel like this was his first crack at sort of those voices being shared with us. And between the art and the situation itself, it Mm -hmm. was really confusing for me. And there was new Legion of Superhero characters I've never met talking. And then also Old Guard, Thanagarians, and other people from other planets. Yeah,
2: sure. Roman, what are they? I don't know that You're but the I,
1: only one who knows.
2: Really? You didn't lead, lead Marv Wolfman and, and George Perez's Teen Titans comics, Starfire? Sorry, what is the name? Kundian. Kundian. The they, Kunz. They, they, they were K- talking... K-H-U-N-D-S. <laughs> I love it. They were talking,
1: and I was like, are they Legion characters? Are they not Legion characters? It was, for me, a confusing scene, and...
0: Like a sudden and temporary giant cast.
1: Yeah, and... Yes, a sudden and temporary giant cast, and I had not give, been given the proper flow to meet these characters, and they were all being their versions of themselves, but it was jumping around all over the place. And well, I hope that he doles that out in a more eloquent manner in the future. as we Literally meet in the future. Right. Huh. You
0: are in on fire, man. <laughs> what I had to pretend with those characters was that there's somebody out there, probably Roman, probably Al... Clover and probably James Burke
1: and Steve Myers
0: and Steve Myers, who understand and love those characters as much as I understand and love the Keith Giffen characters from the justice league. Cause it's about the same number of like the same size of roster between those two. And I could hear if, if those guys all showed up in this situation to have a little, a little gag fest for seven pages, I would know exactly what was going on and I would think it was okay. the coolest thing ever.
1: So you found a way to be able to filter that in a positive way?
0: Yeah, I still don't give a fuck about the Legion.
1: No, but I think that's awesome that you, you were able to do that. And Roman, did those voices feel at all in line with you?
0: Legioni? Um,
2: well, they a lot of them didn't really have much to say. Except for
1: those three girls that have the helmets that are the same.
2: Yeah, triplicate girl. Yeah, um, triplicate girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, maybe. I mean, it... It's cool. I love her costume design and the fact that, I mean, she was du- duo damsel because one of her triplicates was killed way back in the 16th. This is
1: like when Roman looks <laughs> at me like I'm a fucking idiot because I don't know how to alphabetize words that have a space between them. in the alphabet He's like, well, obviously. No, no, I'm, I'm, I still, I, no, no, it's no, been I'm, years and I don't even know what
0: the right way is. I can relate, Jeff.
2: No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to my point, which is oh. I don't know if the voice is. Because I mean, Saturn Girl is the one that speaks the most, I guess she sounds right. But I'm just excited to find out, because some of these, I recognize the characters, the new versions. There's other ones like this guy with the furry tail. I don't know who that is. So there's, That's Furry Man. So there's new Legion characters in here. There's new versions of characters. And then there's classic versions. So I'm excited to find out who all these people are.
0: So what's your <laughs> scores? For the love of God, please. Seven and a half or nine and a half if you count the cover. Man. I, Two point cover. God damn. <laughs> Good solid nine.
1: I love you, Roman. I love you with every ounce of my heart. <laughs>
0: See, this is fucking Legion people, man.
1: What I really liked about it was that throughout the entire like meeting of all these planets, the invasion aliens were
2: in there. Oh, yeah, the Dominators.
1: And I don't know anything about them except that they showed up in Green Lantern by Grant Morrison recently.
0: Right, and and did you know? Well, go ahead. And
1: they're the part of Django's favorite, well, second favorite (laughs) annual-based comic book event, second to Bloodlines. And...
0: I don't think this was an annual event. Oh, cool. I think Fuck it was it. a mini
2: series, a series.
0: Whatever. I don't know. I make yeah. fun of it because it's a yeah. thing that Django brings up it in a the 12 same way series. that he brings
1: up Bloodlines. Yeah. And this is all my highfalutin segue to talk about Inferior 5, number one, by Keith <laughs> Giffen and Jeff Lemire, in which the Invasion and the Invasion monsters are featured primarily. And if you are like me and you don't know anything at all, all about Invasion, this book might fall really flat for you.
0: <laughs> so, we joke that this is my favorite, one of my favorite crossover events.
1: Because it's Jeff Lemire and... No, 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 the original. The the Invasion, invasion
0: from, like, 1987 I or 88. I don't remember yeah.
1: anything about any conversation we've ever had <laughs> about Invasion.
0: So here's, here's, uh, here's why I think we should talk about this now as opposed to later. Okay. Uh, this was coming... The, the Invasion came out not too far from the time that Keith Giffen was writing and sometimes drawing Legion of Superheroes oh and I don't know if those ever interacted at all Roman you you might know that being the Legion I guy don't that you I don't remember are. if
2: Legion they head. did I think the, do- the Dominion was still around in Legion of Superheroes comics, okay. yeah.
0: I just really really like the character design of the Dominators I really like them yeah. too I really um, like it and I really like Keith Giffen I really like Jeff Lemire I really and like Peacemaker's I was, design yeah and I was a little bit baffled by this comic. I was a hundred percent baffled
1: by this comic. Can you guys tell me what the fuck I read and treat me like I don't know anything? Because guess what?
2: God, I love this. What?
1: I don't know anything
0: about it. So yeah. I read this much like you, Jeff, completely removed from Invasion. You've never read Invasion. I never read Invasion. It's I your love Second the, what? favorite event behind Bloodlines. Love the character design. I love that uh, it's some really early work by a uh, by an artist that is one of Jeff's top 2 artists, I think. Are you
1: trying to <laughs> shoehorn this joke of you getting me Keith Giffen art in my file?
0: Keith Giffen didn't draw this issue I'm talking about.
1: Frank quietly. Nope. Okay, let's go to my actual favorite artist, Todd McFarlane.
0: I drew an fucking issue with this.
1: love Todd McFarlane's <laughs> art, not his writing. I
0: fucking love it. Anyway, you're trying to tell
1: me you don't like Todd McFarlane's art?
0: I'm ambivalent. I think it's more important than good. Have you seen his webs? <laughs> yeah, they were important. Now other people can draw webs like that. Yeah, but are the, <laughs> would you Prometheus say the same thing webs. about the Beatles? Would you say the same thing about the Beatles? Uh, I did for a long time. And I didn't, I didn't care about the Beatles, but I recognized them as important. Now I, feel, now I like the Beatles. I
1: feel about Todd McFarlane the way I feel about the Beatles. And I think that you should, too. Because I feel okay. like Todd McFarlane is the Beatles of the comic book. You're right. It.
0: I've been wrong. I, mean, uh, I don't know. Beatles are way more talented.
1: Anyway, in this comic, uh, we're introduced to... The Beatles and Jack Kirby are a much more direct comparison. Huh.
0: Yeah. Jack Kirby and the Beatles. Where's Bob Dylan fit in? Don't you Tom dare fucking say Todd McFarlane. <laughs> 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 Uh, so in this comic, we're introduced <laughs> to a town that seems to have uh, single mothers showing up with kids, but the mothers are maybe replaced versions of themselves. And it's this town of mostly adults except for uh, like kids every once in a while showing up with single mothers. And weird kind of menacing magical or sci-fi things happening. Uh, there's, there's like little tinges of horror. And we have uh, the Dominators sort of behind everything and a bunch of really bizarre characters like the guy that runs the, the comic book store uh, just keeps bleeding out of his mouth. And this little kid is is kind of suspicious and trying to solve what's going on. And when he gets home from adventuring around the town for the day, he finds his mom maybe isn't home and the house is covered in X's. Uh, and we we found out earlier that every house in the town had had an X put on it. And so it's, it's setting up kind of a – I don't know. The, the Keith Giffen part felt like sort of a funnier Twilight Zone episode to me with yeah. maybe some history that I am too ignorant of the Dominators and Invasion to really understand. I also don't know why it's called Inferior 5 at this point because there's not – There's nothing having to do with the inferior five, as far as I can tell.
1: Okay, here we are. Django, turns out you're more in my camp than I thought. Oh, yeah. Roman, can you tell us what this was? Because I read this, and I read the backup, and I really like Jeff Lemire's art in the backup, and I love the Peacemaker character design and his presence in Pax Americana, but I don't know anything that happened in this issue that I read. And that does not happen to me that often.
2: This little creepy dude in the—we assume a dude in the in the burlap sack over his head with an X drawn on it—he's going around this town marking X's. I, I assume are targets for the Dominators who are shown on their ship talking talking to a Kundian. <laughs> The aliens, with the, the aliens with the big tusk.
1: Every time you say that word, Django and I are going to look at each other concerned. <laughs> we have to um, cut
2: that? I think so. Every time. Are you going to beep them? Nah, nah. <laughs> um, so, I'm, so I'm imagining that these people are all guided to this town. Their targets, for some reason, have to do with either the previous invasion or maybe – because this is set like in 1988, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's so it's right after invasion. In the I mean, this is the a invasion. sequel. Yeah, this is a sequel to. That's a that's tough a time frame, <laughs> guys.
1: That's a tough reference for 2019.
2: Yeah, I mean, a se- yeah, a sequel to Maxisers that came out in however many years ago that was, um, and these people that are bleeding, and like this one woman that's uh, her friend that talks all weird. I think those are um, plants by the aliens they've either been taken over or they're actual aliens themselves like
0: like like plants that use not like no sunlight I think they're, no, no not just people people, people to, have been placed yeah there. they're, exactly. they're okay.
2: agents or something and his mom too right i love the art i mean that for the title page that's straight i mean it's an homage to kirby and it's got it the is. weird kirby like why are, we never find out in this issue why there's all these little post-it notes it's like, also
1: kind of Kuberty. Yeah,
0: the the people talking the, like the aliens or whoever the narrator is at the time, they're talking about uh, the spiral. You guys like, what do you mean the spiral? And he's like the record store. It's like, well, just call it a record store, yes. so we know what you're talking about.
1: Is that and Giffen? That's Giffen. Yeah. For that's the Giffen love of the God, way. give me some good Keith Giffen to read tomorrow.
0: Motherfucker, I've given you like fifteen <laughs> Keith Giffen books in your file. I've given you all the Kirby ripoff artwork you could stand. By him, I don't know any of that. I didn't know that was Kirby ripoff artwork. Oh yeah, this stuff, this is all Kirby. This is what, this is what that Shadowhawk, Hawk images of Shadowhawk? You didn't even read them. You didn't even fucking read the images of Shadowhawk I got for you. <laughs> what about did. the Lobo and haven't read you it. you. son yet. of a bitch. Well, it's not a full run. <laughs>
1: oh, I, yeah. I don't think issue one there You should be able to something. dip in and
0: out of any comic at any time. Oh, my God. Okay, eight, this is terrible eight, eight, radio. Move, move
1: on. Move on. We got to <laughs> move on. We got to <laughs> I give, it, I give this, the, this a six that. and a
0: half, and I'm going to keep reading it. It's 12 issues, and so far when DC's done these 12-issue maxi-series, it's kind of a slow boil, and two or three issues in, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I see what you're doing. Roman
1: put it on my chest
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll give it a Cleveland steamer
2: <laughs> I'm gonna give it an inferior 10
0: oh. Oh. Is he, are you actually giving it a 10
2: I was gonna do 9.5 but I kept thinking you know I am so curious about the mystery and what the heck's going on here yeah I'm excited for the next issue. I wish it was coming out like this week
0: uh, I read steeple by John Allison Sarah Stern and Jim Campbell uh, Braden suggested that I should read this because he thought I would really like it. And usually when Braden suggests that, it's because somebody barfs or somebody gets like like their skin pulled off in a new and interesting way. He
1: did also say that about House of X number five for you. It's the naked people. Okay, well, let's talk yeah. about that in a minute. But. Um,
0: this one follows the story of uh, a new woman in town who's coming to be a priest's helper I don't know what the what the right word is But her car explodes on the way there And she gets a motorcycle ride From this wild child chick And uh, goes and meets the priest And he's not super excited to have her there And he's got some sort of mysterious shit That he's doing And, uh, and then she goes and meets up with her buddy Who gave her the motorcycle ride And it all turns out that uh, The priest is keeping back Like satanic dark forces from crawling up over this cliff and, and fucking with people, and the woman that gave her a ride on the motorcycle is in a church of Satan, and her like her bar is a satanic bar, and so she's kind of caught in the middle because the priest is an asshole, and the, the motorcycle lady's kind of rad, and so or, so is the like the cast of characters that are uh, that hang out at her bar, you know, just like all satanic stuff, uh, the bad guys are cooler than the good guys. Uh, There's one big old hairy dude who's super pissed and, like, trying to pick up a pool table. And the bartender, the lady that gave her the ride on the motorcycle, says, if you've got the urges, stick your bare arse out the window. You know that calms you. And then, like, two pages later, the guy's just standing on a cigarette machine, sticking his bare ass out the window. And, uh, like, she says, all right, Brian, you've cooled your arse enough. And (laughs) That was a good joke. That was worth the price of admission to me. I think this is a pretty good setup. Um, it's a little more kind of, uh, I guess, simplistic indie feeling than I usually like to read, but I liked it quite a bit. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Um, uh, Dark, Dark Horse is doing the boom thing with a little bit of teeth.
1: As you were saying that, I opened up House of X number five to refresh it. Did
0: you find the dong? Dude, <laughs> let me tell you what the emotional
1: ride I just went on. I opened it, and my first thought was like, man, I want to talk to the folks about how I just don't really know how to handle situations where I love something so much and other people are not that in love with it. And it's not its not like a problem with anybody. I just don't really know how to handle those situations because I don't know if I'm, I'm supposed to argue with them. I don't know if I'm supposed to disagree with them. I don't know if I'm, to, if I'm supposed to restate my opinion. I don't know if I'm supposed to find the truth in what they're saying.
0: Are you talking about your foreskin again? <laughs> so
1: so I, don't, I don't necessarily know what to do in those situations. I'm flipping through this book and I'm thinking that. And then I got like halfway through flipping through it and I remembered how I felt while reading this issue and the feeling that I had was almost brought to tears. Like, I liked this book so much, I almost cried while reading it and while just reflipping through it, I almost started crying when I got to the page that is just a dot pitch graph of the entire world mm-hmm. representing which countries decided to side with Krakoa, um... And I got to that, and I was like, this is the most satisfying comic book I've ever read. And then I closed it while you're we still talking about Steeple, and I looked at it, and I was like, five of six. There's only one more issue of House of X. Yeah. There are three issues left of this entire series. Yep. And I'm not ready for that. Twelve weeks in a row, I was, I've was. i been given this gift We're at, this is the ninth of 12 weeks in a row that this has been happening, and I am just so happy and so grateful it has existed, and so, this is my relationship with just depression in general, is just like, man, as soon as I realize I like a thing, I realize how fleeting that feeling is, and I realize, like, things are good, only, but that means they're only good because things are not good normally, and they're going to be not good again, (laughs)
0: That's and not not bullshit. comic like
1: not comic books, but life in general. And I appreciate hearing that's bullshit, but that's that is that is my struggle with emotional Dude, regulation. That's
0: okay. Things are even better with this, I and hope they so. don't reach this level all the time. But comics are still good. Life is still good. Comics are still good. Life isn't great or bad, right? Life can be somewhere in the middle where it's pretty good and not the most amazing thing ever. And yeah. I think that day to day we've got it pretty good.
1: We do, we do. I'm not like saying the world is bad or anything, but just
0: let it, me yell at your depression for a minute, Jeff. No, I appreciate that. that. That's it, how it always I works. I could <laughs>
1: use I could use that twice a week from you, um, <laughs> truly. But that's what uh,
0: my fart jokes are. They're just disguised, Jeff.
1: You know? <laughs> oh, buddy, you're so <laughs> sweet. I didn't realize you were showering me with positivity that often, <laughs> and stink juice.
0: So, a question? Yeah. In the back, we've had a reading order, and three of the books have been highlighted in red. Yeah. The first one was House of X number two, which is where we found out that Moira lives multiple lives. Right. The next one was this issue that you just laid out in right. detail. Do we have enough data to figure out why they're red? Because I have a theory on that.
1: I have, I have two beliefs as to why it was red, okay. but no theories. My belief as to why this one was read is because it showed the mechanism for reincarnation, which okay. is fundamentally important.
0: But And also the first time that we've had reincarnation confirmed in this, right? Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. In House of X2, it was the first time that we knew that Moira was repeating her lives. Okay. This one, re- the mechanism for re- reincarnation is created. It's also the unification of Krakoa, the bad guys joining them and the entire world recognizing that they're a separate political unit. How does that enemy. relate
0: to the first one? The what, first red issue.
1: Well, I don't I, I think to me I'm interpreting the red as this issue presents a bit of information that is fundamentally important and changes the like the paradigm okay. and the timeline. And and it had two or three moments that in this issue that oh, okay. made it uh, in terms of the information it presented, it separated a hierarchy. This was one of the most right. important issues for the information.
0: My theory mm. is that we're learning of new mutant abilities in these red issues. Okay. And so the first one we learned that Moira's got do that thing, can, yeah. can live yeah. again, again. And then in this one, we learned that they can combine those mutant abilities to do this completely new thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And
1: maybe in the final one, we'll learn the next step of that, which is what if you combine, maybe these elements or um, extrapolate even further, take
0: it to a power of 10, yeah. for example.
1: I think that's an awesome idea. I didn't think about that. Um, I'm jaded by the fact that before the series started I read an interview where someone was like hey what are you most excited for people to read and he was like well House of X2 has a moment I'm incredibly excited for people to read right. so I kind of viewed those red spots as like the bits that are the most exciting or have the most revolutionary information for them
0: hmm. um, I give it a 10 I give it an 8 yeah and the the biggest reason it's, it's more of a meta reason than I'm not judging this issue on its own because that would be ridiculous. Um, so I've got a little bit of baggage with the previous issues. I really don't like the quick turnaround on the X-Men are dead, are, are all dead. Now stop crying. That was part of the plan and we're resurrecting them. Yeah. Um, I wanted a little more space to breathe there. And I feel a little bit manipulated by the storytelling mechanics that he's used not just for that but for the whole thing and I understand that the whole series is when you read the next issue the other issues are going to have you're going to have a different perspective on those and that's like that's fine I would have liked a different twist in this and one more issue before I found found out I was just, I, was just
2: I haven't read this issue yet but when I do it's, it was just something like that map at the end if I don't understand it in like a few minutes I just skip it. I think that you're going to
1: understand it within 10 seconds. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I, no, I, think Jung, Django, I think Django understood it within 10 seconds, too. Jungo. But I think that I he didn't. also was able to find reasons to, to critique it.
0: It took until just now. Oh. I'm sorry. No. Sorry to disappoint you, Jeff. L-
1: listen, half of that's <laughs> going to get cut out because it was very long.
0: Man, this fucking issue of Batman sucked. Hey, I Roman. I think you're a what? dipshit for liking it, Jeff.
1: Roman's, <laughs> Roman's tired, because uh, he's maybe getting a little bit sick, and he worked clothes this evening, and he was like, hey, Jeff, I don't know if I'm going to do the I'll podcast in sun tonight. Valley. He was sitting in Sun Valley. Roman I, only I, no, wears... No, that's where I'm headed tonight.
2: Oh. He only wears oh, his hood when he's I getting sick. That.
0: Oh yeah, I'm i Oh, yeah, I'm...
2: How long of a drive is that? I don't know. 20
0: minutes? Okay. Yeah. Are you well, worried that the valley could just happen so Sunlight? he was maybe not going to do this
1: podcast and i said roman i respect that <laughs> we'll if you're do gonna quick. do it you should <laughs> cut out or er, cut out of work early and read batman 79 because i, I want to hear what you think about it um you did that you're up here thanks it. for being on the podcast because i know that your house sitting right now and it's a long drive for you I'm but i tired boy i know and i respect that because you're also it's getting been sick. quite a week TB, it's been that's quite also a, trip quite, a, quite a week for all of us this is the week after Batman 78, it's the same writer, same artist. It is uh, Tom King, Clayman, and Timo Mori. This follows up on that issue of Batman that we talked about last week. And uh, did you realize that this line
2: says Miller? I did. Frank Miller?
1: Yeah. Hmm. In the first page in Neon mm-hmm. Light, it Boy, says yeah, and actually, Miller I don't know who King?
2: the Seth, Seth is, but there's Maz from Mazalewski. Mazacelli Mazacelli that's what I meant <laughs> I don't know who wow. Seth is though Seth King 19
1: Seth. Seth Meyer Timo. wow the clay man that's really cool they put all their names in that and yeah. not a just sort of yeah. really basic I mean I don't way.
2: know what this is a reference to image wise well, is that Bruce?
1: do you want to talk
0: about it what the fuck, Roman? Have you is, ever is read that,
2: Batman Year One before? Yeah, I, come on, like, even but, I
1: knew that was Batman Year One. Yeah, well, I haven't read it in
2: the last ten years. You're in the scene where he like
1: <laughs> puts the makeup on and he goes out like this, and then he goes and he he is fighting in the streets, and then you meet Catwoman and she's got like shaved head and she's
0: is that what a they're always prostitute? referring to how they met in the street? Okay, yeah, and okay. he okay. says uh, in in Year One he says it, like just like on this first page in the giant text he says another one hissing like a cat. It looks like she knows what she's doing. Be careful. He says that in year one, okay, but in cool. normal size font. Okay. okay. Okay, good. So, Django. So, now I understand this first page. <laughs> so, Roman. All right, so let's try the second page. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no.
1: So, Django, since I've talked too much, can you please clarify what the fucking amazing thing that happened in this issue was?
0: So this issue has a lot of back and forth between uh, Bruce and Selina. Bruce in his very best Magnum PI costume, yep. wearing Hawaiian shirts and a fake mustache, like match matches Malone. Malone. Matches Malone. <laughs> oh yeah, um, and they they do a lot of talking, uh, a lot of making out, which is no. s- well, super I guess rad. Um, <laughs> and we see little flashes of Gotham while they're doing this. Um, yeah, right here. But the the conversations that they have. Kind of loop around this thing that they've been talking about since the beginning, where they're sort of playfully arguing about whether they met on the street or on on the boat. And do we let's let's just pause, pause. Do we know why
1: that conversation is interesting?
0: Are you asking
2: Robin uh, or me? Just, I'm, I want just the fact they've been having it for all of Tom King's run and maybe before Tom but King's why, run. But why,
1: so I, I want everyone who could be listening to this, I want everyone to understand why that conversation is interesting.
0: So I think that the first time they met in her first appearance. In the
1: 70s, in the Silver in the, Age. In the, in the 40s. 40s. That's in the, what in I the, meant. In the Golden Age. Thank you.
0: I think that they met on a boat and she was stealing jewels. Yeah. And then the first time that they met in what we consider canon is year one on the street. So, the entire 79 issues of this run, we've been arguing
1: over, did they first meet on a boat or on a street? Mm -hmm. And that is a meta-commentary on, did we first meet as we were published in comic history, or did we first meet as we recognize canon to be?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And all along, we thought it was just, like, one of those cute couple things where, you know, they're remembering it differently, and that's all it was. Right.
0: And what they finally agree on is that... um, in one of them they met as Batman and Catwoman. And in the other one, they met as Bruce and Celine. Just a second. Just a second. Just slowly do me. Just don't <laughs> let's
1: not finish yet. Let's not finish yet. Let's just slow down for a second. So as we're progressing through that conversation, Catwoman is like, listen, dude, I think that we met on a on a on a wait, catman Catwoman think she's on the they were on the boat? Yeah. Catwoman's like, we met on that boat and like you were Batman at that point like you had been Batman that and that was the first time we met and Bruce is that wait am i saying it right I don't so yeah, it it
2: is cuz Batman reveals why he insists on that is because that's when they first met her. as the as their true selves as Batman and Catwoman as as the people that drives their whole each of their existences this is
0: yeah and he says like even Even when they met as Batman and Catwoman during year one, it didn't really count because he wasn't fully formed.
1: So he was saying they met on the boat, and she was saying they met on the street.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: Right, because he was saying he was Batman at that point. we've
0: really screwed this bat pooch.
1: The reason he draws that distinction is because he doesn't think that they actually met until he adorned the Batman costume because he is saying who he is is Batman And she is saying the first time we met is just who the people we are. So, Roman, what felt awesome to me reading this and what gave me a big old woody was that last week you and Justin and I talked about issue 78. And kind of the conclusion that we all came to was that it's awesome to be reading a Batman comic, but Justin let this amazing quote out which he's like, I'm just way more interested in reading a story about Batman's heart getting broken than his back getting broken. Mm. And... And we kind of concluded that, like, yeah, Batman is the character. And a lot of people say that Bruce Wayne is the disguise. But in reality, like, I just, I have to believe, and Justin agreed, that, that Bruce is still a human. He's a kid. He's a damaged child who created the Batman persona. And I really liked that this issue and this story has brought to light the idea of this distinction of Batman or Bruce and who's the mask and who's not the mask and Bruce says that he is Batman but the conclusion they come to this is that like no that's bullshit let's say that right now we're finally meeting each other for the first time because we're we're operating with different paradigms as to who we are let's just sync up right now like and I think that we've had this joke banter going on for 79 issues of oh, we met on the boat, we met on the street, oh, okay, and at first it's funny, and then you're like, oh, okay, it's kind of annoying, and you're like, oh, wow, it's a reference to this shit that's like a meta commentary, and Django shared that with me that I didn't get that. And I was like, oh, it's so clever, and then it got kind of tired again, and all of that came to a head here in the most, like, beautiful, emotional way, and I got goosebumps, and I stopped when I read this issue, and I said, oh, wow, wow. And I made Sam read this last page. And I was like, you're not going to appreciate this like I appreciate this because you haven't been reading 79 issues. But I want you to know that this is one of the most eloquent, eloquent ways I've ever seen a joke wrapped up in 79 issues.
0: So a couple things that I noticed in this issue. Um, where, where last issue, I kept thinking, holy shit, Catwoman is hot. She sure is. Like she was drawn super super sexy and not in a super leery way necessarily but just like dang in this one Bruce is the hot one Well Bruce
2: was really hot in the last one Yeah, yeah but but they're, they're both hot in both issues
0: Bruce is like Selina's just kind of doing her thing here and she's she's pretty and and all that but Bruce is like Look at those muscles, yeah, he's I mean, hot, wearing a mustache, totally he's hot, not, not wearing there. a mustache. I was I The was... number of Bruce Wayne butt shots Dude. that are like, oh, that is an amazing butt, buddy.
1: Okay, but Sam walked behind me while I was reading this and she stopped and said, Are you looking at porn?
0: Because Catwoman's butt on the on the jet ski? On the jet ski
1: or on the scene with her standing in front of Batman or Buttman. That's
0: because you weren't on this page well, no. where Bruce is looking at her down the beach. I and actually got the was nicest on butt that page. In the whole world. And I was like, look at his short shorts. Like, look at I, that. There's both of their butts together. Who wins? Bruce wins. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you're
1: right. <laughs> but also Catwoman looks just amazing in her. Oh, yeah. It's just Clayman. I just think that you draw mm-hmm. superheroes. Amazing, and I think that Django said it kind of well. Not very leery, but still very beautiful. And it's not just the women are beautiful, but the men are beautiful, and the women are beautiful, and they're perfect beings. And I like looking at that.
0: So, on 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 the plot side of things, because all of that is like relationship kind of other right, 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 stuff, yeah. right? But Roman, but what happened?
2: I thought we, we just wrapped that up. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah it happened. Django, go.
0: So they they fight Magpie. Hmm. Right, which is awesome because she's like a D-list character from the the mid-late 80s. Um, and they fight her in order to fuck with a shipment of stuff that's going to Bane because the boxes are branded with his mask. And Bruce says at some point that he's going to, and this, this is set before issue 77 where, spoiler alert, Alfred gets his neck broken because Damien went into Gotham. Bruce says in here, that he's going to send Damien into Gotham, which means that Bruce kills Alfred hmm. by sending Damien into Gotham and, yeah. and not being... I don't know what Bruce is doing while he sends Damien into Gotham because I'm assuming that he's got a bigger plan and he and Catwoman have like some some like double, triple, quadruple cross thing going on. But just the idea that not only did Bane... Ruin his relationship, and tear him down, and break him to the point where he had to be rescued by Catwoman um, in the snow, in issue seventy-five or whatever. But now Bruce is going to carry the guilt of setting things in motion that killed Alfred. Pretty directly, uh, I think that's, I think that's a point for Bane.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I
1: agree, and I, I think that it also it's, all the romance stuff and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roman, what did you think about except, it? You except, got to escape upstairs,
2: except Alfred will be back because that wasn't really Alfred. It was probably Metamorpho or something because that was part of Batman's plan. Fingers crossed. <laughs> right? Ooh, Roman, Batman's
1: plan's always bigger than what you understand. Yeah. I like that.
2: And I'm still, I'm still kind. Of, I loved all this and everything, but a part of me was like, yeah, splitting hairs. But a part of me was like, yeah, except he's actually, you know, Tom Selleck. Magnum PI matches Malone here. So is he still being <laughs> his truth?
1: Well, Bruce Wayne is Tom Selleck matches Malone. Let's be clear.
0: <laughs> is is he walking away from the Omega symbol Sing. there?
2: Yeah, yeah. It looks like an Omega
0: symbol. Guys, I gave it a 10. It was the perfect payoff. I give it a 9. And uh, we got six more issues before we get a payoff, buddy. No, that was my
1: payoff. That
0: was my payoff. I and mean, you're right. Yeah. We're not
1: done yet. And then we have 15 more issues or 12 more issues. But it, I, I think it was a... I think that the payoff to that joke I didn't know was amazing. In that shot of the boat reflection light, I handed it yeah, to Sam and I said,
0: "Just look at this." The payoff yeah. for me was the Batman Annual number two. Yeah, yeah, this is
2: beautiful. I give it a ten. Also,
0: oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, heck, that, I mean, heck, they show this. Never regret anything. Just
2: this, this one panel of Batman slamming this villain, who I don't even know who that is. He looks familiar. I know. Headband Man. Yeah, I know it's an actual Bat villain, but I don't even know is who it the is. Is that New Calendar Man? I don't know. I mean, he's got he's got a mace for a hand and this big, weird helmet thing. Guys, I told Sam I was going to be home an hour and a half ago.
0: You're a... I don't know who that is. Deer. I thought
2: you had a movie to go to.
0: Yeah, well, uh, too bad you didn't bring your phone up here. Tonight. I know.
1: It's somewhere, and there's a lot of messages on it, I know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to text her? No, I'll do it in a second. <laughs> All, All right. I'll She's I'll... never
2: mad. Roman. Hmm. You're the best. You're the best. Hey, Roman. Bruce is the best. Look at that gratuitous, like, (sighs) gut
1: shot. Yeah. Roman, you're the Catwoman to my Batman.
2: I wonder if I can wear that great outfit where she had the heels and the long dress. No, I'm looking the for long this, dress, this current one with was... the armpits cut out. See, I don't understand the <laughs> armpit. Is that just to, like so she doesn't it's get... It's to show get... off your
1: specific
0: armpit. Why Air. Jeff's, Jeff's Batman costume has the back of the knees cut out. So we he got doesn't sweat too much. two weeks
1: till episode uh, 150, everybody. Oh, we got tickets, too. Come get your tickets. Come get your tickets to the comics place.
0: Yeah, uh, free. Free. If you get your tickets from us at the Comics Place.
1: Yes, get your tickets here. Um, oh, fuck, we didn't do any voicemails this week because it's 11.30 oh. at night. <laughs> mm. Let's do an adjunct episode where we do some voicemails and just add it on to this one. Just three? Shli. Shli. I'm Jeff. You can get a hold of us at one 663 7336 and we will answer your voicemails because we really, sure. really like it. But this <laughs> week, uh, we fell behind. I want to do a special small voicemail episode that add on to this one. We'll do it in the next two or three days, I promise. We're gonna. We're gonna. Ugh. I'm Jeff. Uh, I just made a plan for everybody. That's kind of the Jeff way.
0: I'm Django. That's supposed to be my way, Jeff. I love it. <laughs> I'm roaming, my way's the highway. That was very good.